Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning. Hi there. Welcome. Let me start by asking you a question. Are you a soaker or are you a stoker? Do you soak the fires of the spirit or do you stoke them up and stir them up? The verse that we're looking at today in 1 Thessalonians 5 says that we should not put out the spirit's fire or in other versions, it says, do not quench the spirit's fire. Now, there's a question that we could ask, which is, why is this verse positioned here at the end of 1 Thessalonians 5? And is it looking backwards to the three commands that have come just before this one? The three commands to be rejoicing always, to be praying continually, to always be giving thanks. Or is it looking forwards to the three commands that he's about to give, which are that we should not despise prophecies, that we should be discerning, and that we should also avoid every kind of evil. And I would suggest that it's quite possible this verse is looking both backwards and forwards to the three commands that come before it and the three that are going to come after it. This is kind of the boss verse that's in the middle of these other commands. You see, If we look backwards, we can say that we would be quenching the spirit if we did not rejoice, if we did not pray and if we did not give thanks. But that also we would quench the spirit if we were to despise prophecy, to not be discerning and to uh, embrace evil. In both events, we are quenching the spirit's fire. Positively, of course, we can take from these verses that not only can we soak the fire with water and quench it, but we can also stoke the fire by doing the positive things that are in these commands. To rejoice will stoke the fires. To pray will stoke the fires. To be thankful will stoke the fires. Equally, to respect and take on board prophecy will do so, to be discerning will do so, and certainly to avoid evil will also stoke the fires. And so we're to not only avoid quenching the fire of the spirit, but we're also to promote the burning of the fires within us. Now, why, we may ask, is the picture of a fire used in these verses? And I'd suggest that it's possibly for three reasons. A fire, of course, gives illumination. Back then, they didn't have electric lights. You'd use a wick. And so a fire would give you illumination, just as the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, illuminates our path. A fire also, of course, brings purification. Jesus came to baptize in fire to burn away all the rubbish. And thirdly, a fire brings enthusiasm. It brings illumination, purification and enthusiasm for God. There is a warmth. There is a zeal. There is a passion. There is a love. There is a joy that comes when the fires of the spirit burn brightly amongst us 
and within us. And certainly that's what happened in the book of Acts, wasn't it? They came out full of the spirit. Tongues of fire came upon them at Pentecost. And it tells us that they were so happy that they were drunk. They were full of boldness and courage. There were tongues and prophecy that right through Acts, we see that passion burning brightly in the church. Now, the people in Thessalonica had experienced this fire at the beginning of their uh, life, their Christian lives. When the Apostle Paul had turned up in their city and preached, it tells us in chapter one that they had received this message and it had come to them with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. They had received the message with the power of the Spirit. They'd welcomed it by the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple of years later, later, after the novelty of their first conversion may have worn off, after the difficulties have set in, after Paul's absence from them is starting to be felt, Paul writes to them and says, do not quench this spirit that is within you, that be started you off so well. Keep it burning brightly. And of course, we can put a fire out in two ways, really, can't we? One is to smother it. We can smother it with uh, water or soil. The other, of course, is that we can starve it so that basically it burns itself out because we stop putting f fuel onto the fire. Now, I would suggest that if we don't obey the commands that are following here, uh, then we could smother the fire. So if we despise prophecy, if we're not discerning, if we don't avoid evil, we're kind of smothering the fire. On the other hand, we could just starve a fire not by not fueling it with our prayers, with our rejoicing and with our gratitude, as it tells us just before this verse. We don't want to do either of those things. Now, as Joshua pointed out yesterday, uh, and uh, I think it's ever so important we understand, these verses are not just for us as individual Christians, but this is also applicable and uh, maybe even primarily applicable to the church when it is gathered together in a corporate setting. The church needs to be a place where the fire of God is burning brightly and where we do not quench smother or suffocate the fire of his presence. Now, that applies in lots of different ways. I've got a, a quote to, for you from John Stott, which I think is fantastic. Bear in mind, he was a fairly straight-laced Anglican, wonderful guy, but he wrote this. Paul is insisting, this is on the joyful uh, the, the rejoice always reference. He says, Paul is issuing not an order to be happy, but an invitation to worship and to joyful worship at that. Yet many church services are unforgivably gloomy and boring. Although to be sure it is always appropriate to worship almighty God with awe and humility, yet every service should also be a celebration a joyful rehearsal of what God has done and given through Christ. So let there be organs and trumpets and drums and singing. Yeah, we need to be a place that is full of joy. I can remember, I've only just thought of this, uh, when I was a new Christian, there was a wonderful godly vicar at St. John's in Hartley Whitney, John Earp. 
and he was one day uh, leading a service at St Mary's up on the hill, uh, and he was he danced. He was so happy, so full of joy of the spirit that he danced in the service with his frock on. And he was pilloried and lambasted for what he had done. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Now, we can quench the spirit by being prayerless as a church. If we don't have regular prayer, praying continually, as it says, as they devoted themselves in Acts 2 to the prayers, there were set times of praying as a church. If we don't have those meetings, if we don't attend those meetings, we're quenching the spirit amongst us. If we turn up to meetings, well, if we don't turn up to meetings when we can, we're quenching the spirit. And if we do turn up, but we turn up with no expectation, no hunger, no thirst, no longing. If the majority of the people coming to the meeting with that kind of spirit and attitude, then it's not surprising that not much happens in the meeting and all their expectations or lack of them are confirmed. We need to be those who don't soak the spirit, but stoke the spirit's fires amongst us by coming with expectation that he is a mighty God who can do unexpected things amongst us. And so I want to urge you today in, in this season that is coming, folks, do nothing to quench the spirit's fire and do everything you can to promote the spirit's fire and we need to do that together as well as as individuals. And let me finish with a wonderful quote from a Puritan. Uh, well, there's one here, which is from John Trapp, who wrote this, that the spirit um, is delicata res es spiritus deo. A delicate thing is the spirit of God. We don't want to grieve the spirit. But I love also what Edward Reynolds says. Just listen to this as we finish. When the spirit teaches, let us submit and obey, receive the belief and the love of his truth. And when he promises, let us neither distrust or despise, but embrace as true and admire as precious all the offers which he makes to us. When he commands, contends with our lusts in his word and secret suggestions, let him not always strive but let us give up our fleshly affections to be crucified by him when he woos and invites us, when he offers to lead and to draw us. Let us not stop the ear or pull away the shoulder or draw backwards like froward children or cast cold water in the face of grace by thwarting the motions and rebelling against the dictates thereof. But let us yield ourselves unto him, captivate all our lusts and consecrate all our powers and submit all our desires to his rule and government. So let us pray as we finish. Lord, we do pray that you would help us not to resist, to be sensitive to your spirit and to not quench your spirit, but to promote and to soak the fires, to fan into flame that which you put within us. Help us to take responsibility to do that, we pray today. And as we gather together as your church, in Jesus' name, amen.